Well, maybe Saddam could have had nuclear weapons. He had a nuclear program. But he did not have nuclear weapons or a nuclear program, now did he? When it comes to nuclear weapons, I can't afford to take chances. His nuclear program... His nuclear program? His nuclear program... For God's sake, it's nuclear, not nuclear. Nuclear! That's what I said, nuclear. It's nuclear! You know, anybody who's trying to work out who I am, then they're going to hate my guts before they find out who I actually truly am and come across my real sights and and understand that I'm actually just, I'm, I'm, um, I'm a good people, I'm solid. Okay guys, welcome back to the Grand America Show. Uh, We are going to be chatting with the nuclear proctologist a little bit later, uh, Dana Dunford, Dunsford? Dern. Dernford, that's right. Uh, which is a fun one, a little doom and gloomy, but uh, hey, when the, the Death Pacific is a possibility, I guess it's bound to be a little doom and gloom. But first, as always, Graham, I wear my shorts and sub-zero temperatures, Dunlop. How's it going? You look a little cold. Well, it's a little cold in England today. Yeah. Yesterday was beautiful. I was in my shorts and sunny and it was gorgeous and I don't know, I thought it was kind of ramping up towards spring, but apparently not. Apparently, you did not check the weather. And I'll be here all day in the studio. Negative so this Electronics and some Do human... I need to re-plug in the heater? Wait, it's not even on the heater? No. Why not? Because <laughs> it's not plugged in anymore. Why not? It's spring. Just, same, reason you're wearing, at... same reason you're wearing shorts. Supposed to just keep it at like five degrees in here, isn't it? Well, it's five degrees. It's five degrees in here. I don't think so. It's... Yeah. It's you you can't breath. see your breath. <laughs> I'm warm and I'm just wearing jeans and a hoodie. Anyways, I'm embracing the cold. Mm-hmm. I am trying. It's good for you. Is it? Yeah. That's what I hear. We're, we're too protective indoors. There's definitely something to that. Yeah. We need extreme cold and heat. Extreme. Sun and water. Word up. So what do you went up to? I tried the, well, I, speaking of cold. What about it? I tried a little biohack yesterday if you want to. I don't even like that word. We should come up with a better word. No, biohack is good. For yours, maybe Because I don't really know tinkering. if it's biohack. Mm. Tinkering? Yeah. <laughs> Graham's bio-tinkering. See, now that we got a jingle, now I'm inspired to try things. There you go. Speaking of jingles, that is another one from Felix. We should uh, mention he does have his uh, Bandcamp page over at SirFelix at Bandcamp.com. I'll put a link in the show notes. We'll put a link in the show notes. And I think I'm going to play Felix sent me a song. I can't remember what it's called, but uh, the name will be in the show notes. He sent me a song and he used to play out this episode. It's kind of reminding me of Modest Mouse. Old Modest Mouse, though. Modest Mouth. Modest Mouth. Because Modest Mouth came out with like 10 albums before anyone ever heard of them. Yeah, you like those guys. I was eh? still in high school when I was listening to Modest Mouth. Yeah, I only heard about them through you, actually. Yeah. They used to be cool. They're still pretty cool, but they're just, you know, bound to happen. 
Yeah. When you start being mainstream, then you've come out with something that everybody likes, as opposed to before they were just kind of something that was doing their own a thing. little more folky. Yeah. yeah. So. So, anyways, a couple blocks away from me, they they have a new uh, cryotherapy tank. Oh boy! At the Bronze Backs. Uh, so is it cold? Studio. It's really cold. Like you minus. just go in there and they turn it on and you fucking freeze. Yeah, so you go, so you go in there in your underwear and your they have, they give you these wool booties to wear and then gloves on your hand. So I guess to protect your extremities because it's what about like your my, penis. Well, it's in my underwear, right? Did it shrink up on you? No, it doesn't. Uh, no, it doesn't. I don't think your shit don't shrink when it's that small. There's no way to shrink. It'd be an innie. Anyway, continue your cryo start. No, honestly, when I have cold showers, sometimes it, it grows a bit. I don't know what it. So it's really cold, like 100. Maybe you're shrinking, so it just looks bigger. 71 below or something like that. What? Like, yeah, it's like. That's like frostbite. Yeah. And you're just in your underwear. So you have to dry off completely. Like if you're sweating, I don't think they want you sweating at all because then your sweat will probably freeze to your body. How long are you in there for? Three minutes. Jeez. So they, they raise up the, the thing. So my head's above it and you're just, your body's in that really cold temperature for three minutes and you can feel, you can feel it. Like I felt my elbow, I've had problems with my elbow and it was weird cause I could feel pain in my elbow where my bones aren't working properly. My elbow has been killing me the last few weeks. My the one I broke a few years ago. Yeah. That's, that's from a break. Yeah. Long time ago. Yeah. So it's kind of weird how that, like that area hurt. But yeah, it felt pretty good. Felt refreshing. Were you able I to breathe cold, it out like, or were you like fucking freezing? Oh, no, no. Yeah, I was breathing through it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, you can't really. What if like the your guy head's fell asleep while you were in there? Could you get out? Uh, no. You or would you just slowly you, freeze to death? Yeah, you, you got to be looking at the person in the eye making sure they're paying attention <laughs> <laughs> to the time. It went by pretty fast. I yeah. bet you it felt like a fucking eternity. No, no, it went by pretty fast. The last yeah. minute is just like, oh my fucking God, yeah. open the door, open the door, open the door. Minus 170. So you no, pissed I, yourself, it, it would it, freeze instantly. Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. It's, it was All really cold. You would encase your junk in ice. Yeah. I mean, they say that wa- the cold water is actually still better than the cryotherapy. Like that's still healthy for you, but it's better to be... The lake's probably pretty cold right now. Yeah. I was the thinking ice just that. melted off it like three days ago. Go jump in? No, I don't like your little... You have to like run through the mud and then it's yeah, like it's, super shallow. It's a terrible for the... lake for that. You don't want to be swimming in your lake. Well, the problem is, is by the time it fills, by the time they fill it up, then it's warm. Because it's man-made? Yeah. But they used to do a thing here, I think, where they cut a hole in the ice in the winter. And everyone jumped in and the big event. Really? Yeah. Someone probably drowned. That was the end of that. Yeah. Some fucking doofus. Yeah. I'd like Ruined to go to the, I'd like to find a good swimming place in the mountains with like proper stream and stuff, proper river. Well, I'm I mean, sure there's lots of places. Like, oh, I did fuck. go if last you go year. Out to I went to CBX in yeah. the middle of summer, you jump in that water and you now have like a time limit to get out. Because yeah. it's fucking freezing. The people that drown there drown because they freeze and their fucking joints stop working. In the like, summer? Yeah. That place is only fucking like 30 miles from where that shit's melting off. Oh, the I glacier. think we talked about this. Yeah. Yeah, you'll have to. It's show less me than 100 kilometers from where it's melted. So, yeah, there you have it. For shit. I'll put a link in the show notes for any local people if they want to go there. It's pretty cool that they have a tank so close to Calgary now. Do it up. Now all they need is some infrared saunas and some cold plungers and stuff. 
still missing like a big a big sort of healing center like that you know put it out no you can't so I thought about it right by the was, river wouldn't that be nice eh yeah but so I, you get distracted and freeze some people to death in your cryo tube I was uh <laughs> you just I could see you there trying to thaw some lifeless bodies speaking of healing centers <laughs> I was at a, a Reiki sound healing sort of share last night and uh it was pretty cool pretty cool experience we were talking about there's a property coming up for sale in in uh, Springbank. What's that like? Just east of, west of Calgary, mm-hmm. and they already have like a lodge, like a healing sort of lodge there, and it's uh, it's an acreage. They've got a greenhouse, and it's coming for sale. And we're thinking of trying to figure out a way to to fundraise for it or to try and come up with uh, what's like what the, are they asking for it, like one point one or something like that. Yeah, that's the trouble. It's not too, but I mean, for if a whole group of people, there's a whole bunch of people that are interested, but I mean, it would be good to have a, a destination. Just fill like, the greenhouse with like, dope and you could pay that fucker off in a couple summers. Well, no, I think the plan would be to grow vegetables and takes proper, a while. It takes a while stuff. to make a million bucks selling carrots. Yeah. But no, I, I mean, I'm not sure what the, the parameters would be around fundraising but it would be cool to have a destination i think the goal is to have it so like yoga workshops for weekends and people would come to do workshops and stuff there and then obviously have a normal healing center through the week and that'd be pretty cool there you go so you froze that guy to death so speaking of healing centers as well i mean we've been getting this um we're going back and forth with uh, a couple listeners here who want to open up a healing center yeah and it was pretty crazy. I was reading their their email. And I was getting shivers big time because it was like all the stuff that we would want in one. So I want to give them some good vibes here because they've been through a crazy story about trying to get this thing off the ground. I don't want to read all the background in it, but it's pretty. Uh, I want to send out some vibes for these guys. So it's um, we need a vibe from, jingle. Yeah. What do I want to start with here? So I'll, I'll read, I'll read from, uh, this is Jenna and her boyfriend and they she says, uh, our complete, everything we want to happen in this business plan includes infrared sauna, complimentary vitamin D therapy in our post float services room, Reiki massage, various yoga classes, and a complimentary tea infused water bar with built in mini Zen gardens, which we are already building out of bowling alley lanes. So we hope to eventually be completely energy neutral by incorporating. Oh, get this! See, I thought about this one day when oh. I was when I was doing going to the gym and stuff. I'm like, why can't we generate electricity from bikes? Right? Like, what? Why aren't we? I'm riding. I'm doing all this exercise. Why isn't that energy going somewhere? Because it takes a lot of bike riding to fucking power your facility. So she says, <laughs> you know how many dudes you need on bikes to power a tanning bed or a cryo tube or an infrared sauna? Okay, listen. So. She hopes they hope to be completely energy neutral by incorporating free to use workout bikes rigged up to generators. She says Stephen knows the technicalities of that part because he's a genius. You earn points to use on services by generating elect- electricity, which is pretty cool. We got really fortunate with our location to have a lot of rooms. So we plan to offer things like NA and AA meetings, guest speakers, acupuncture, cupping, therapy, anything that falls in line with spreading unique ideas. Bettering yourself and elevating others through wellness we're interested in. 
We're outfitting our 90s Oasis brand tank with colored lights and speakers and hooking up some transducers we have lying around to introduce vibration and frequencies to our guests and the water itself. Nice. That's pretty Where cool. are they in? <coughs> Is it California? Missoula. Missoula. Missoula Floatopia. Mon- Montana? Yeah. No. Is it? Yeah, Missoula's in Ont- Montana. That's not far from here. Like seven why hours. Do, why that's was like, I thinking it was like... It's not like six hours from here. Yeah, that's crazy. I was thinking it was like Mississippi or something like that. It's pretty fucking windy there, too. Throw up a couple windmills. Oh, yeah, there is. A, it is in there. Yeah, it is close. Huh. I'll have to go check it we'll out to, when I go. have to up. go give us a fucking I'll go, rundown. I'll yeah. go try some services that we don't have up here. Yeah. Like try electrifying myself in the float tank. I'll fucking electrocute you right now. <laughs> I got. We should just have a cord hanging in here with a couple frayed wires at the end that I can just poke you with. Oh, that's awesome! So we're incorporating alchemical symbols as well as sacred geometry on the tank in a tasteful way, so that we can produce as much healing magic as possible. We originally wanted to include cold plunges in our location, but decided to work on plans for a group cold plunge for charity in the river next year. Let's see, so uh, they've got a whole library. Massage therapist with a rescue tortoise and a habitat. Like, I mean, this is just awesome. Sounds great. Yeah. She's, uh, they're also working on incorporating VR in the tanks for people from phantom limb syndrome and paraplegics who have never experienced what it's like to walk. Huh. Of course, you can also watch movies and stuff in there for those who can't stay in the dark and just want to have a fun, unique experience. We've been talking with somebody who works for Microsoft in the HoloLens. That would be interesting. I don't really know how that would work. but And, of course, there are the float purists out there who won't be on board with our ideas but want to come for from an open mind that includes as many people and personalities as possible. Oh. The float Nazis. Again, I gather a lot of inform- in- inspiration from you guys on that front. They're also uh, planning on... A mobile float. I can't imagine how that would be, but that. I think that's where you take it someplace and let set up for the day. What do you think? It's like a trailer. You hop in and they drive you around town and drop you off in some weird neighborhood. Both could be interesting. So yeah. Anyway, sending some good vibes out for them, and I think they're going to do a little fundraiser as well, and we'll we'll uh, talk about that on the show and link to it as well. So. um I want to continue on because she sent me an email about her experience and, and about her um, inspiration from our show. I thought I'd read that. You're going to read all that? Well. Yeah. I don't have a jingle for we that. We got time, don't we? Yeah. So she says, so I read your email at work. My friend and I cleaned a restaurant for a few hours early morning, and I was thinking about how if you would have opened a wellness center, you probably wouldn't have had time to do your podcast on top of juggling everything else. I started thinking about how mine and many other lives could have been affected by that, and I looked down and saw a fucking gold-glittering maple leaf on the floor. Some of the things gold is said to represent are illumination, compassion, courage, magic, and wisdom. I got instantly that fuzzy feeling that you guys are exactly where you need to be. Here's my first NDE story and why I think you're doing just what you're meant for. 
I was always the weird of poverty. I was <laughs> I was always the weird little kid that listened to Coast to Coast and talked about aliens and spirits in my bedroom. I instinctively knew about reincarnation while still in a high chair and was incredibly hypersensitive. I did drawings and sculptures that freaked my mom out and often struggled with panic attacks as a result of feeling constant anxiety mixed with homesickness. A life of weirdness and trauma right off the bat. I spent so, so many of my years feeling totally alone and crazy. I suppose it was only natural for a 20-year-old me to get into an abusive relationship and start shooting up cocaine and pain pills. I thought, why fuck around? I got super sick after only three months of using. Sick to the tune of total organ failure, sepsis, endocarditis, and hmm, now I can't read it, endocarditis, and double pneumonia. All at the same time. The heart surgery I got in 2014 was apparently... Not related to that incident, as the surgeons didn't know how to operate on me. It was less of a common, weird thing they only found in children, but that's another story. So, I remember dying in my dad's basement and feeling completely okay. Seriously, like coming home for the first time in forever. Then I heard a man's voice in my head, booming and very stern, say, turn over. I refused. Picture a bossy little kid being super snotty to their parent. That was me. Why should I? I I then lost control of my entire body and my body turned itself over. I felt like I was inside a human suit that was moving on its own. I felt no sensations whatsoever. I laid there for what seemed to be forever, laughing and talking to the many weird and comedic beings surrounding me. I finally heard my dad's voice from the doorway and he rushed me to the hospital. According to the doctors, if I wouldn't have turned over, I would have drowned in my own lung fluid and died there right in the basement. They all said I would definitely not survive for long. I spent two weeks in the ICU and another three in a hospital room with the name Falling Star, written on gold in a gold star on the door. How apropos. That was nine years ago on May 5th. It's a miracle to be alive today. Now on to you. In the weeks before I found you, I was thinking all the time about how much I wanted to meet some friends who talked about the shit I was thinking about. People who empower others by being themselves and embracing whatever thoughts or ideas come to them, unafraid to explore and question the world and its realities while remaining grounded. I love Bill Hicks, so I wanted that sharpness, too. Right before I found you, maybe a day before, I was feeling angry and confused about my whole life. Like I made it all up or I'm just crazy. This odd sense of chaos and cloudiness that started in out of nowhere. Immense insecurity and self-doubt. I couldn't shake it. Almost like I was being deterred from something or punished by something, if that makes any sense. Your show popped up on my Spotify afterwards, and the Moai art instantly caught me. Like Richard Dreyfus in Close Encounters messing with his mashed potatoes. This means something. This is important. This heavy shadow dispelled almost immediately after playing your first episode. And I wish I could remember which one that was. Grimerica is what gave me direction towards my own answers exactly when I needed them. I don't feel lost anymore, and I'm finally discovering who I am and what I'm doing here. If you had opened up that wellness center, I don't think I would be so well on my own spiritual and healing path. Your goal was to heal others, and you absolutely do that every day without realizing it. I speak for myself, but I can safely assume that there are many others who feel just as I do. People whose words open up in crazy... People whose, whose worlds open up in crazy significant ways just because they found you. You guys have a gift 
and there are people who can feel it. I don't mean to be all weird old fangirl, but you guys fucking move me. Don't ever feel like you missed out. You're exactly where you are and where you need to be, and I truly believe you two have big things in store for you. Wow. Yeah, thanks. Glad. Yeah, thanks. Glad Humbling. you found the moi. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, uh, Thank RPJ for that. <clears throat> Red Pill Junkie, yeah. Yeah, no, I... I had that feeling when he when he did that art too that I'd already seen it somewhere. That was pretty weird. Totally got a deja vu, like that art. Deja vu. Yeah, there you are. So yeah, thanks, Jenna, and good luck with your healing center. And uh, thanks for the awesome email. I've also uh, I've got sorry some... it was us. He stumbled upon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but I'm glad it's resonating with people. Just that's having it. honest conversations. I think that's kind of what what podcasting is becoming, right? That's what it's and, supposed to be, yeah. And that's why the media is kind of on the down And it flag, makes it all worthwhile. It's all so fake, right? It really just shows now how fake and put together everything else is. I got another email here uh, from a new listener. It's kind of on the same vein. Hi there, I've been waiting to write some feedback to you guys, but while listening to some of your back catalog, I heard you were interested in how people find the show. So here's my story. Oh, I stumbled across you guys on Spotify. While being known for being a music platform, they have a pretty good selection of podcasts as well. I scrolled heavily through the science section with space in mind and having a somewhat recent interest in X-Files and a long-time love for fringe science. The colorful logo caught my eye, as well as the doobie-smoking Easter Islander and for the cherry on top with a UFO. The Shakespeare episode with Alan Green was the first one I listened to at the beginning of February this year and I haven't stopped. I'm totally hooked. Like many who turned to podcasts, I started a job with a long commute. I'm interning in a winery with a, which is a shy of a two hour commute one way. So I'm very thankful for the lengthy episodes, which get me through each drive as you and your guests open my eyes and blow my mind. Some days when I able to listen while working around the cellar, I'll fit in three or more episodes. Therefore, I've been bouncing around the back catalog quite a bit and appreciate the audio upgrades. Ah. Needless to say, I'm now a proud monthly supporter. Thanks for your support. And yes, we've yeah, tried to... Aboard. Darren's a bit of an audio... What do you call it? An audio, audio file, file or something where you like to try and make sure the audio is good. I have my conspiracies around that with it. He makes his audio sound better than mine. My voice is just better than yours. <clears throat> Get over Could it. be. So... So she says, before this gets too long, in the intro of one of the recent episodes, you guys mentioned the movie Arrival. I've never seen it yet. I haven't? Okay, well, we'll save that for another show. Since started listening to your show, the, this movie pops in back, back into my head. I'm really curious if you guys have seen this movie, or if you will see it, because I'd love to hear what you think of it. Anyways, thanks for all you do, and keep on keeping on. Looking forward to the next episode. That's from Claire. Thanks, Claire. I will see it soon. Probably not till... I thought you'd seen it already. No, I kept trying to watch it, but it was crappy quality. Oh, oh I'm not going to go to the theater for it. It's not going to happen. Well, it's out of the theater now. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably on, for a few months. <laughs> is it on, like, DVD or something? I don't have a DVD player. You got iTunes, right? Just rent it on iTunes. Oh. I never even thought of that, you know. It's playoffs. <laughs> Are you really paying attention to that? Yeah. Watching the Yeah, hockey? it's the playoffs, yeah. Really? Who's playing? 
tonight? Well, we're, know, we're playing the we're playing Anaheim, which is not good. And fucking Adrian is in Anaheim. I'm pretty sure. So we have a little Twitter battle going on. Who? One of our supporters. Oh yeah, is an Anaheimer. Oh yeah, he's a Ducks fan. Apparently, wasn't there something about we haven't won in Anaheim in 24 years or something? We like haven't that? won in Anaheim since like 2006. It's only been like 11 years. Oh, 11 years. 24 games or something now. 28 games. No. 28 games. Really? <laughs> so we lost lose. the other day. No way. Well, tonight's a big one. If they lose tonight, they're in trouble. If they lose tonight, then they're in their heads and it's game over. If they win tonight, then who knows? Mm. Anything's possible. They need to win this one in Anaheim or I think that they're in trouble. What's the score? It's one nothing. Oh, that's it? For the series? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. But then these new group of players has it in their head that they can't win it out of high now either. Like it's been, you know, my kids are only five and three. Double my kid's lifetime since they won it out of high. Yeah. yeah that's and then I got back, this, yeah. this, the new Vax documentary that, uh, I forget fucking buddy's name. It's like Ty something or other. He did the cancer one way back in the day. <clears throat> Where is it? I had his name here someplace. Let me find it. Quick. Worth mentioning, because uh, this is going to come out tonight, and I think, oh yeah, Ty Bollinger. So, I'll find the URL, but anyway, it's going to come out after the fact, but then I think it's like 200 bucks or something. Wow, to really? To buy it. Wow. But right now, it's free for 24 hours each and episode. And it's a series, each episode is like seven or eight parts. And they're free for 24 hours. And then I think instead of buying them, I think you can go... And rent them from that site as well. Pay two bucks to rent it or something like that for 24 hours. Hmm. But it's, uh, yeah, it's all just vaccine, vaccine facts. Blah, blah. Hmm. So two hours a night, I watched the first two, I've watched the first three episodes. And, and they're good? They're worth yeah, it? Yeah, they're good, yeah. 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 It's pretty crazy how we talked about vaccines years ago on the show, and it felt like it, and it was, was super uh, polarized. It was it's, polarized. I, I don't know that it's getting any better. I really don't. Well, I think it's opening up. I mean, I think people are realizing. I tell you, the, the more I look into effects. it, the more I'm happy with the decisions that I made. Which are? Not vaccinating. Your kids? Yeah. yeah. I'm sure I'll get some hate mail for that, but there's no way. There's no way that you could convince me to shoot that shit into my kids. So so it's changing. And you're, and you're looking at it at a pretty unbiased, skeptical Well, way. yeah, it's my like kids. Pretty, it's no, my, well, we, like, I had to make that, make that choice. We had to make that choice four or five years ago. With our kids. And I'm sure there, you know, I know we have listeners that don't agree with those decisions. But, yeah. I mean, I'm not an idiot. And I took everything. I mean, it's a big decision when it's your kids. Yeah. But I mean, this, I think that in our lifetime, this is going to be the big one. When the fucking American people are, and the Canadian people, and I mean, a lot of our vaccines are outlawed in other countries. And uh, I think in our lifetime, when they find out that we they were fucking with people's kids without doing proper studies or with, or with, or with doing studies and, and messing with the data. Yeah. Or with, or even not the fact that they're an unsuable is beyond my comprehension. This is, this is the vaccine company. Yeah, so unsuable? they convinced, they convinced Congress back in like the seventies that if they kept getting sued, that they, they were going to get out of the vaccine business because it wasn't profitable because it kept getting sued over and over and over and over. And that scared Congress because not because they said if we ever get a biological attack or an outbreak, then these factories won't even exist to make the vaccine to cure whatever happens, right? Because so, so I mean, I'm sure there is so a possibility the that something could happen so where you need the infrastructure a vaccine. Still there. So then they said that they can't be sued. 
But there is a fund. 75 cents from every vaccine sold in America goes into the Vaccine Injury Compensation Fund, which has paid out already almost $4 billion. Wow. If you look up the legal definition of vaccine in the States, they are unavoidably unsafe is the legal definition. Unavoidably unsafe. Yeah. Basically, what they're saying is that all we can guarantee is that these are probably safe for most of you. But basically, so the righteousness of society has decided that in their fucking wake, any kid that has, you know, because it's the kids that have disorders going into them or maybe a disorder you don't know about yet or whatever, right? Or who knows? There's no long-term studies. Right. So it's just like, but I mean, we know for sure something's going on. So it's just like we've we've accepted the fact that one or 2% of the population is expendable in the name of, what, herd immunity so that you don't get the measles? The measles aren't a fucking fatal disease, bro. They never were. They might have been back in the fucking 1700s and shit when we didn't have heat or cleaning or hot water or fucking whatever. Yeah. But, I mean, it's uh, the chicken pox vaccine is the one that blows my mind. Right. When I had the chicken pox when I was a kid, all my friends came over and had baths with me. But they would get the chicken pox. I scratched one. Still got the scar. Right. So. And now it's a vaccine. So what does not fucking, what does it do to our bodies to not deal with these things on their own? Yeah. Right. There's, I mean, the measles and the chicken pox used to be a rite of passage. And now you just shoot a kid that's two years old full of some aluminum and shit. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of other crap in there, right? That's yeah, they not, they have to add doing, a, right? So, so for some of them, in order to get the, in order to get the response that they want from your um, system, from your system, they need to add the aluminum. So the problem is that they add the aluminum and then they make it all in polysorbate 80, which can now attaches to the aluminum and attaches to the shit and now can fucking walk right through the blood brain barrier. Wow. Because, because aluminum can't pass the blood brain barrier unless it's attached to polysorbate 80, which is the medium that they used to right. hold it all together. So now this, this shit can just freely travel in and out of your brain. Hmm. And I think, and a lot of the doctors on there aren't even active anti-vaccine. They're just like, we need to, if anything, it's, it needs to be spread out over, say, seven or eight years, as opposed to the first three years. Yeah, right. Because it's something like, I think the chances of autism go down, like, you know, by, by a large percentage once a kid hits three years old. But then I, what worries me is it's not just the immediate effects like autism but it's all the long-term effects of putting all that shit in your body all this shit man these fucking old people that are getting alzheimer's and brain cancers and all this shit probably fucking goes back to the shit that they're there's a reason the 50s nothing is supposed to go directly into your bloodstream right it's not supposed to happen there's a whole bunch of shit in the way that's supposed to stop that from happening and and what you're saying is that now we just bypass it so in order to keep the infrastructure there, just in case there was some biological attack or some pandemic or whatever. They scared Congress into making them unsuable. And now, even if something happens to people. So now what's the point on taking the extra time to do the extra tests and everything else? You can't be sued. There's no, right. there's no downside. Right. People assume that these guys are just Out super, there to help super, everybody. super, super nice guys, I guess. Hmm. So, and then the reason, so I think a lot of the problems with like the MMR one didn't happen until they combined them. So when people were getting the measles and the mumps separately, there was no problem, but the two of them together now can combine and fuck 
fuck you up. I heard that recently there was a mumps thing where a bunch of people So you know the, MM, mumps- the MMR that you get rubella? Rubella is, there's like zero fucking, rubella can never hurt you. The only time rubella can ever hurt anyone is a pregnant female. So they, but they throw that in there anyway. And the reason they throw the three of them together is now you have to buy all three. Right. Whereas before you might just get the mumps or you might just get the measles. Now you don't have that choice. I just, I just saw something come up an article where there's a bunch of people that got mumps and the people that got the mumps were the people that had the vaccine. Yeah, that's right. So what? Cause the MMR is live virus. They put mumps in, they put those three viruses or they're actual parts of that virus right. that they put into you. So now you're shedding that disease for a couple of weeks. Right. Hmm. It's crazy. I, I encourage people to watch it. Like I say, I don't care. And what's, a lot of it called? Uh, what's it called? The truth about vaccines. Okay, I'll put an I'll put a link to that in the show notes. It's really interesting how it, that it's it's wild, man. And when you when you start looking at how little fucking anything or accountability or you know actual real long term research and shit like that goes into this, it's real eye opening. Yeah. Hmm. It's all by design, right? There's a reason they want fucking people to attack anti-vaxxers. Yeah. Right. Fucks up informed consent when the doctors don't even know anything but what their pharmaceutical rep tells them. Yeah. Yeah, it really seems to be coming to light, just like the global warming hoax, too. I mean, really, a lot of the stuff over the last few years is really starting to fall apart. Hopefully they keep crumbling down, man, because we've made a whole lot of mistakes with farming and vaccines and sugar, everything. Like we've all really the chemicals. I mean, we are. I was thinking the other day about how. Do you think that women women seem like they they have um, chronic issues and sicknesses a little bit more than men sometimes? And I wonder if it's all the chemicals that they put in their, you know, their 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 beauty products and their makeup oh, all and all of the stuff. stuff like, because right? I don't really, you know, put much. We fucked up a on. bunch of stuff for sure. And there's so right? much chemicals in processed food and the, and the, and our and our stuff. Like, like anyone who's naive enough to believe that everything that? is hunky dory right now and that you know all the shit we're doing is fine and they're like, you know how Rogan says we're in the pinnacle of fucking civilization. Maybe in some ways, but not in a whole lot of other ways. Like there's yeah. a whole bunch of shit we're doing now and we've that been we doing for the last hundred years that people need to start fucking noticing now ain't cool. Before it's too fucking late. Yeah. Because that's what'll happen. It'll just be too late. Hmm. That'll be the end of it. Yeah. Right on. Well, thanks for the rant. Yeah. Good to hear your rant. Yeah, I can rant too. Yeah. What do you think? Darren and Graham going deep. It's a profound UFO quote of a week. All right, this is a quick one. Oh, should I include my dream? No. No? <laughs> Last night I had a dream of a sighting. There was a whole bunch of us. And it was this, like, moving object in the sky, like, sitting there. And it was folding over and shining. And I was trying to get everybody to pay attention to it. And people were like, ah, they just didn't even care. But I'm like, look, that thing should not be flying in the sky right now. And I was trying to videotape it with my phone and I couldn't even get it. I got this shitty little picture of it. It was you can terrible. never get it with the phone. And there's a whole bunch of people around me and nobody just gave a shit. I was like, what this thing flying around? You got to buy one of those lenses that you snap on. And then I, I, I did a Google search 
in my dream, and, and it was actually, I saw another saying that was exactly the same, and it was apparently this big clock flying through the sky. A clock? Yeah. And then Zeus actually found me. He, he came to see me from like 60 miles away, my cat. <laughs> I'm serious. And there you have it. Oh, yeah. So here's the UFO quote. Flying saucers are probably real extraterrestrial spacecraft. That's from Project Sign's estimate of the situation. The final report issued by Project Sign, which began in 1948 under the auspices of the Air Technical Intelligence Center in an effort to solve the UFO mystery. They studied 243 cases before issuing this final statement to the Pentagon. What is it? What? I'm sweetening your shit while you're yeah. stumbling around. Yeah. I'm done. You're oh. not paying attention. You're on your phone. <laughs> I got <laughs> <you>. <laughs> Good one. Enjoy the chat with Dana. Actually, uh, before that, check out gramerica.ca slash support. Uh, Help us keep these long, uninterrupted chats with people like Dana. And, uh, yeah, get new cords and... Improve our audio. Fix broken shit. Pay off debt from the... Pay off studio debt. Yeah, there's a ton of stuff. So check out gramerica.ca slash support, guys. Uh, sign up for a monthly if you can. Uh, do a one-time donation if you can. If you can't do those things, tell your friends about this motherfucker. Um, chat. Join the chat. Grandamerica.ca slash hangout. There's about 110 people in there that are chatting it up all the time. Uh, what else? We pop in now and again. Yeah, we pop in. In and out. So check out all that stuff. Check out everything in the show notes. Go into the show notes right now. There's a bunch of shit Graham's got in there. And do all that stuff because it all helps. And yeah. A lot of it's free. Most of it's free. There's like nine out of the ten ways to help the show are free. Yeah. So, anything else? No, I think that's about it. Thanks, right, for, thanks for our emails. Yeah, thanks for everything. Uh, enjoy the chat with Dana. with us tonight he's the nuclear proctologist he's been uh he's been looking into the nuclear situation before fukushima even happened and he's got a lot of hours on the on the coast we're talking to him from the sunshine coast right now uh we'll get him to 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 spout out all his stats but he's uh he's been living living in the water for many many years and he's been looking at, at this issue and he's been an advocate uh you know against this nuclear 
power for quite a while. So welcome to the show, Dana. Thanks for uh, joining us tonight. Yeah, thank you for giving me an opportunity. Yeah, you were just mentioning there when I and I actually thought Darren was recording. You were talking about you know what uh, started to highlight some of this problem, like California water, and and uh, how once you start looking at this picture, like nobody has a cohesive picture of this problem, especially after Fukushima happened. Um, and then uh, I thought we should probably start recording before we have to repeat ourselves there. Well, like you start off with um, Japan had a massive earthquake. And each of these, uh, and, and the system uses a 1 to 10 scale. And this 1 to 10 scale in that particular, they used an also 1 to 7 scale. Um, but this one was in a 1 to 10 scale and it was a 9 out of a 10. And what it done was it was felt in Florida 30 minutes later. It's traveling at the tsunami that come with it. It was traveling at around 600 uh, miles per hour. And so when it's not very far offshore, it dropped 170 kilometers of the coastline straight down, uh, 7, 8, 9, 10 feet, and it's generated enormous tsunami and high speeds. And this is updated at very high speeds, uh, 400 kilometers of the coastline. And in that 400 kilometers uh, was roughly 15 nuclear power plants, or reactors, and four power plants. And they were all inundated with water and um they had lost ability to cool these facilities. These facilities generally within two hours, because it's a million gallons a minute, will go into a partial meltdown. And that uh, is lame in terms of where they can't get near it now because of the energy being created by it. It's an instant uh, death sentence to go close to it. And they got um, nothing they can do, just get out of the way and hope for the best. And so they never thought it could happen, really. And this is why they allowed, allegedly, this to work that way. But everybody, if you look at the history of these things, we know that was possible. So we started having meltdowns over a three-day period, detonations, explosions. And we were now looking into six years of basically covering up what happened. Has it been six it's, years already? Yeah, it's just past the six-year anniversary, March 11th. And so over the last six years, we pieced together... In increments. March 11th, Japan date? March 11th, Japan date, yeah. So would that be March 10th here? Yeah. I think so. That's Richard. Richard. It's your birthday? Brutal. (laughs) Awesome. You were turning like 27 when it happened, 28 when it happened? I would have been turning 30. Oh. Oh. So they had these meltdowns, and what happens with a meltdown is kind of like a forest fire. A forest fire, anybody living within 30 miles of a forest fire uh, can really quickly imagine what I'm going to say next. Is But a forest fire is very visible. and But we understand uh, intuitively what that means is if you're driving down the highway and there's a forest fire and the wind's blowing across the highway, you're going to have to put your windows up and you know get through that little section and it's going to be stinky and yeah. smelly and blah, blah, blah. Okay. But uh, a nuclear reactor, we don't see it quite that way, but that's exactly what's going on. In a nuclear reactor, we're talking about 9,000 degree Fahrenheit temperatures. And this is cannibalizing and consuming and atomizing and aerosoling and, you know, with ionizing product, fission product from a chain reaction, which is the animosity equivalent of a dirty bomb, releasing this into our environment. It's an invisible uh, enemy. You can't see it or smell it or hear it or feel it or taste it or pick it up. Or throw rocks at it per se, and so you got this invisible thing that's uh, wafering through 
and it coats everything. It's electrically charged. It attaches to, you breathe it in, and it attaches to your inside of your lungs. And where it'll burn a hole through that, it'll sequester in your muscles, your organs, your bones. And um, just just an incredible uh, host of 1,800 illnesses, autoimmune deficiencies, injuries that are associated with the inhalation of uh, these radioactive isotopes. You only need one to manifest into a cancer 10, 20, 30, 40 years down the road. It'll sequester in your organs or muscles. And your body attacks it relentlessly with white blood cells, and that displaces the red blood cells in your body, which carries the nutrition and the oxygen throughout your body. And so but that uh, persists for decades until a tumor takes over, and then you're diagnosed. And before that, of course, there's heart, liver, lung, respiratory, pituitary, adrenaline, gland problems, autism, diabetes, heart, liver, lung, will show up long before the cancers. But if because of the accident, you're eating it all the time or breathing it all the time or washing your clothing in it, then you're going to become more susceptible to a lot of these illnesses a lot more quickly. And this is, uh, you'll see this more strongly, of course, in Japan. It was over 860,000 excess cancers the year after. Uh, Canada and British Columbia, Canada in particular, and America had suffered large numbers of infant mortality directly after uh, six weeks following Fukushima. There was another 22,000 heart attacks um, in North America from a six-week period following Fukushima. It was an abnormality at the statistics over the last couple of decades and was correlated and attributed to Fukushima radioactive fallout. I've been covering the WikiLeaks uh, Fukushima files for the last four, five, six days. And uh, today was really startling stuff where we're, the WikiLeaks files were showing how Stratford, the intelligence agency, which was the middleman for all the other intelligence agencies, were talking about what's going to happen as it hits the coast of North America, when it's going to wow. hit, how it's going to coat everything, wow. the food and the water is going to be contaminated. That's, in, course, the, that's in the WikiLeaks, them, them talking about that? Page six. Jesus. Yeah. Page six of the USS Reagan files, you'll find that one down close to the bottom. And you go through six full pages of these files. It's like unbelievable, just a mind-numbingly amount of material. And then you finally find these little tivots, and it's like, wow, I still, I'll have a headache for like a whole week for that fella. But that was worth it. And I covered that and showed that. And everything I do, I, I show it as I'm talking. If I'm talking about the reactors, I'll show you those pictures in the background. If I'm talking about any aspect or facet of the minutia, the minutia, I'll, I'll show you those actual peer review studies, those uh, documentations or those headlines or whatever, uh, right as I'm talking, because that way you don't have to repeat yourself and that way everybody is able to educate themselves instantly and come back and go look up that stuff themselves and just take their time and meander through it. Yeah. And so, um, kind of digressed a lot, I'm sure. But generally, the reactors all melted down. There was a big cover-up. We finally confirmed that each building was different in Chernobyl. Chernobyl was one-third the size. <clears throat> Chernobyl was 30% meltdown. Chernobyl allegedly stopped after 10 days. Chernobyl was equal to 400 Hiroshima bombs over those 10 days. So about 40 Hiroshima bombs a day. And Fukushima were some of the biggest reactors on the planet um, in Japan's reactors that melted down that are confirmed. And at the top of these buildings 
was a decade to two decades even more of reactor cores stored. Um, and so they were in a very vulnerable position for any kind of an accident. And they had the worst type there. Um, now, when you lose your cooling there within a couple of hours, it's a meltdown. And 400 kilometers of the coastline got scrubbed and chewed up like a wood chipper is more appropriate way to look at it for up to 10 kilometers inshore. And so everything was completely disabled. There's no way to get power in. The buildings were destroyed. There was nothing to plug power into. And then they come here with a kooky cover up. But what, in the background, what was happening is we had this amazing release, this incredible, unbelievable, hideous amount of material from each building upwards, way over six reactors per building. And um, number three reactor was the mixed oxide fuel uh, building. Mixed oxide fuel is where they took the um, missiles, nuclear weapons, and uh, reclaimed the uranium and plutonium from these 30, 40, 50 year old weapons. Now, when this material goes through a chain reaction, it's two million times worse than what it was originally when it was refined with heavy chemicals, etc. And so it was already hideous. You put it through a chain reaction, two million, two million times more worse. Then you reclaimed it through a very, um, very complicated process, made it even more hideous. And now you're going to put it through a chain reaction again. And so it burns up to two hundred thousand times hotter if it goes off, and it did. And so the dispersal, the atomization was really bad immediately. And we're talking about an enormous amount of material and stuff that didn't go boom and puff up in the air went into a supernova mode up to 9,000 degrees Fahrenheit temperatures or more. And so that's able to consume anything around it instantly. But it's sustaining itself. It's the humanity's biggest fear, uh, and rightfully so. It's this thing that's cre- is a um, creature that's unleashed basically upon the planet, creating this hideous invisible cloud that wafers high into the environment and is carried around the planet and dispersed evenly all around the planet. And then the, the basis of the food chain is, is affected immediately within the first couple of years, dramatically highly visible where you see uh, the phytoplankton literally uh, wilder and disappear. You see the, the squid, the herring, the sardines, the anchovies, the mackerel, uh, the basis of the food chain for mammals, for the energy cycle, disappear. And then you see the animals cannibalizing each other and the emaciation of the bigger apex animals. And this is emblematic of radiation sickness too, which would accumulate, uh, say, like in the apex, the killer whales, they can eat halibut or otters or birds or porpoise, and of course they did, or whatever else they wanted. And now we see here in North America, all of them are emaciated, and all the whales we see anyway, besides the killers that we find dead are all emaciated, had died, the same with the birds. And so it's because the squid and the sardines and herring and the anchovies and, and all the other small uh, migratory, uh, these were the animals that, that sustained large migratory uh, groups, millions of birds, and was common to travel with the anchovies or the squid or the herring for months at a time and feed upon that along with all the other uh, animals. And so once we've seen those chains break apart, you can predict how it basically is going to play out, but nobody really knows because we've never seen something like this. We don't have any kind of literature on this. And so, you know, data is so important. 
but there's no way to stop it. Apparently, from what I've seen, it was wiped out fairly quickly and in the smaller sections. And so the tidal zone would be the spot you would want to look at. And the tidal zones would have, say, 700 algaes, 480 species of worms, 70-odd species of sponges, different colors, highly visible colors. Then you would have 78 species of starfish and 76 species of sea anemones, all coming in multiple colors uh, per species. You would see the incredible uh, diversity of insects in that tidal zone of up to 30,000 species. You would see over 6,000 invertebrates without the backbones, uh, little, like little shrimps, and a lot of them are easy to see with your eyes. And so there would be this incredible um, smorgasbord of colors and diversity and everything else. And so uh, this is a healthy ecosystem, and Jack Cousteau had said about the British Columbia coastline that it was the best cold water diving on the planet, bar nothing, because it had such a diversity. And what's really going on there on, in that section is that unlike the east coast of Canada where you have a big ice, say pack ice, about 200 miles offshore and the wind blows it all on the shore and it scrubs the coastline for the first 30 feet or something on the shoreline where you have 200 miles of ice being blown in on the coastline. You can imagine how that scrubs the coastline. Well, British Columbia doesn't have that happen to it. And so the low tide zones, you have 26,000 islands uh, in British Columbia. So you have this incredible diversity of shelter and fjords and inlets and archipelagos that um, there's, it's just an incredible, beautiful underwater coastline. Uh, totally at low tide. It's a very uh, big tide, up to 24-foot tide exchange on the coastline. Mm-hmm. Most of it's 15 feet or so, but uh, quite a lot of it is, is tw- up to 24 feet. And so there's this huge um, disparage going on in tidal zones. You have the Rocky Mountains, and then you have the tropical rainforest all along the coastline, which feeds the whole coastline uh, mud and nutrients being washed off from the tropical rainforest throughout that whole coastline and the Rocky Mountains itself. And so you have this whole beautiful ecosystem, but also it's very vulnerable to something like radiation. The radiation comes in, hit the Rocky Mountain, and the clouds lose a lot of their payloads and washes it back down to the coastline. That goes through all your estuaries, your rivers, your lakes, and your ponds, etc., etc. And so at the top of the mountains is uh, ice, um, glacier ice, which is two, three, four, five thousand year old glacier ice. The glacier ice uh, has disappeared over the last couple of years. We documented that on the expeditions I've taken on this coastline. And what that means, though, is this cold water was regulating the lakes, streams, the estuaries, the rivers, and all the way down to, and including the coastlines, particularly during hot summer months. And this has been doing this for millenniums. And once you knock that out, all the insects and flies and small fries uh, will perish. Uh, the insects will perish. They need that, that cold water coming down to maintain those temperatures, like is what why they exist in that environment. And there's a lot of microclimates along the entire coastline that are dependent upon it, that incredible diversity. And so the Pacific Ocean would have 4 million species in it. We've lost most of them at this stage by far. And all the, the big animals, sea lions, seals, uh, whales, and birds uh, have been found in mass dead and all starved to death. And so 
The rivers uh, are in desperation. They're claiming 100 million salmon are missing at sea, but they never even made it to sea. They died over the last couple of years in the rivers and the estuaries because of the cold water was missing. And so, because they have this uh, census over decades of how many species would come through, and you know those species couldn't be found. That's why the headlines came out that way a few weeks ago of 100 million salmon missing. But the rivers are, uh, uh, the salmon can't get up the river uh, last couple of years when it was uh, in drought because there was no cold water or no water, extra water coming down from the mountains. Are they trying to blame that on cold, global warming then? Sure, yeah. They'll blame everything on global warming. <laughs> everything gets blamed on global warming. Global warming is some, nobody knows what it is, but it's global warming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Climate change. Climate change. There's no, so, yeah, there's no definition of what climate change so, is, though. It's, it's uh, yeah, so you're saying that, that climate change, well, I mean, we all know climate change happens. Uh, nobody's going to deny that. But you're saying that this this event at Fukushima could have caused some of this climate change on it, on itself, right? On right. its own. That's right. And what I'm talking about here is high winds uh, storms, which have we've never seen before. Two hundred Up to 235 mile per hour confirmed multiple times. Uh, the Philippines and China, Tonga, um, Fiji, uh, Mexico was 200 miles per hour. We just seen Australia tore apart, and the winds there hit confirmed 163 sustained 24 uh, 30 hours sustained up to two up to 163, and after 30 hours the wind dropped down to around 100 miles an hour officially. And people came out from under their beds and stuff like that and said, oh, well, it's only 100 miles, hour, 100 miles per hour out there. It's some, for some reason, it feels okay. Because they just went through hell beyond. It blew out the entire frames on both sides of the houses. I've never seen nothing like it. Nobody else has either before pre-Fukushima. Uh, and uh, the, so uh, gram of this stuff is a million watts. And just because you atomized an aerosol and released it into an environment don't mean you turned off that million watts. You distributed it out the million watts. And so the one that hit the typhoon that went and uh, swept across Japan converged with another typhoon that swept across Japan and went over and took out 36 provinces in the Philippines and uh, displaced 50 million people permanently and turned 30 million coconut trees into projectiles stripped the land, stripped the pavement off the roads at 235 miles per hour winds. Wow. It turned everything into projectiles. It was the most frightening thing I've ever seen. Uh, and then we've seen the same thing in China where half a billion trees were stripped several months back. Half a billion in just one area. And 235 mile per hour sustained type winds. These are uh, tornadoes. And normally a tornado is just, say, a quarter mile wide and lasts for maybe you know, two minutes or six minutes for a long one, whereas these lasted for many hours and were hundreds of miles wide and just lingered there and just just leveled everything. And so it heats up the ocean, which further also um, fuels these storms. And now you're talking like up to seven degrees confirmed of heat in the ocean that they try to explain away with just ridiculous uh, assertions and conjectures. But if you put uh, the actual inventories into the models, then, then the models look correct. If, if you put the inventories of just one of the reactors in there, uh, see, 
when uh, these reactors melted down, they had no fresh water. Now, you need a special type of water to cool down the pool, the pools, but the pools had already detonated. It just hid it away for the, for the longest while until we got, like you say, 5,000 pictures finally of these things. And what happens is they're spraying the salt water and they're creating this phenomenon of this sulfur peroxide hydrogen buckyball effect. It's where you hot water or salt water, the sulfur comes in contact with this very hot heat and creates these little spherical uh, balls like a soccer ball. Except uh, it's able to ingest the particles and the atoms with the isotopes in it and turn it into little nuclear engines. They're much more powerful, particularly the Unit 3, the mixed oxide fuel to reclaim uranium potonium. and But when you're spraying the salt water all, all the time, there's, uh, you're talking about an incredible amount of water getting atomized in aerosol and released into the environment that came in contact with a fission product. Normally we call it tritiated 3H water. And But, um, you know, I'm, I'm uh, proposing that it's much more different than this because we're talking about uh, 9,000 degree Fahrenheit temperatures. We're talking about enormous temperatures anyway. And the sulfur and the, and the buckyball, that effect, they're not soluble water, like the normal isotope, and so they're not, you know, soaked up and distributed that way, or able to contain it a little bit more better that way. They're uh, very mobile. They don't need jet streams. Like we know from air pollution, forest fires on the Pacific, Asian Pacific, how it comes across, and how pollution comes across, and automobile and industrial pollution comes across, and uh, adds to the indexes in North America is what I'm suggesting by saying those words. But by spraying the salt water on it all day, for instance, uh, you're looking at, say, 4,000 nuclear weapons going off. And so when you're doing this for like 40 days in a row, it's probably a lot more than that. But when you're doing this for 40 days in a row, because you're, you're washing material down on top of, of, of 9,000 degree Fahrenheit temperature, no matter what it is, it's atomizing aerosol and evaporated back into the environment and then... And so generally, uh, when you think about uh, forest fires, why it makes it over here is because you got so much temperature, right? So it drives up the particles. They're very big particles compared to what I'm talking about. But anyway, it drives these particles way up, and they're able to find their way to North America. Um, these particles are so small. Now, it works this way where... I'm just going to switch gears for a second because I want people to really consider what's going on here. Uh, is that a gram of natural stuff, you can, you know, like potassium 40, you can eat, it's not going to hurt you, it's irrelevant. And you do all the time in your food. It's, it's, mm -hmm. And your body can only accumulate so much, it's called homeostasis. Mm -hmm. You can't contain any more in your body, it's already in your body. Your body knows how to deal with it through genetic superior selection over, you know, like all the other, everything else on the planet. We live in harmony with that kind of stuff. But a, a gram of man now a gram of natural stuff is about 160 atoms of potassium per gram that are active, say. And but they, you can't like there's not enough energy to light a light bulb. But a gram of man-made is a million watts. Hmm. Now that's roughly 88 times 78 billion atoms, and every atom can hurt you, give you an illness and a disease or an injury decades later. And so one has 160,000 atoms, can hurt you, the natural stuff, but the man-made is 88 times 78 billion. That's why it has a million watts. 
so to speak. That's right. And so if you atomize an aerosol, you still got 88 times 78 billion atoms. And when you do the equation of how much was in each building, and then you do the equation of, say, spraying uh, water on it perpetually for six years, let alone the salt water, sulfur peroxide, hydrogen, buckyball effect itself, we've unleashed this incredible monster upon this planet already. And it's never too late to, to do the right thing, to go try to deal with this, right? Because we're sending in the homeless and we're burning it in the incinerators over there throughout the country, which, of course, you're burning it at, say, 3,000 degree Fahrenheit temperatures. The jet streams come over here. It's like dirty bombs coming at us all the time. We're really, truly in deep water. We're truly in deep trouble. The longer we ignore it and pretend this is uh, going to go away or someone's got something under control or anybody even knows what they're doing down mm. there. Because we're taking homeless and destitute and the victims of society, the immigrants who don't even speak the language and sending them in there. We're not sending in Harvard or Yale or Berkeley or Stanford or MIT or Oxford or any of the shakers and movers. We're sending in the people that are going to make mistakes, are going to create problems, are going to make sure there's no way back. Uh, I'll shut up. Go ahead. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good summary. Thanks. I mean, it just lots, brings lots of things to mind. Like, <clears throat> There's a couple things I got. Like one... One, I'd like to talk a bit about the, you know, more the conspiratorial societal impact of this and, and why there's so much cover up because the nuclear industry doesn't seem as big compared to like fossil fuels and all these other, other things. Yet, obviously there's enough influence there to try and try and cover this up. But then you just don't know what to believe these days either. Like we've heard, we've had people, um, we've talked to people that think that there's not a lot of radiation and it's no more than the allowable background limit. So, so how can well, these for, people, for, how can for, these people say all that? And then how, how is this big cover up working? Million, there's a million corporations first for the first one. So you got a million corporations. You got um, all these countries dependent upon it. Each power plant got a thousand or five thousand people dependent upon yeah, it, and yeah, chain yeah. of supplies. Yeah. Each of these facilities are top dollar. People are getting double the wages. There's a lot of money. Each community is dependent upon it now become their tit. Yeah. So to speak. Yeah, yeah. And and so they have this whole apparatus of public relation firms. That'll puke up every lawyer. Pick, you know, there's a million excuses. Which one do you want to hear? Tell you yeah, uh, yeah. attitude, and they're, they're maniacal in their um, beliefs. So the whole industry's uh, existence is predicated upon bananas and potato chips and walking in sunshine and getting on airplane fables. And so when people like me come along, everybody, so they'll say, "Oh, Dan, I don't see no no mass die off of people." No, but there's. It, it, like there's diabetes and Alzheimer's, dementia and autism and heart and liver and lung and respiratory right away within a number of years will show up. But it nothing shows up literally right away in North America. We're 5,000 miles away. But the fact is that all the studies and all the animals, all the animals died within about five years when just one single monodispersal inhalation exposure. Dr. Raymond Gilmetti from Loveless Respiratory Research Institute look up those studies in the beagle dogs and beagle puppies over 35 years. <laughs> and I mean, you know, no matter how small the dose was, you've seen the tumors showing up. And so the next question, go ahead. Well, no, I mean, what my friend, uh, my sister and her friend, her friend got diabetes and, and apparently they, they were doing this research on diabetes and Apparently, the the border to the U.S. and Canada has way more cases of diabetes than than oh no no uh, multiple sclerosis. I'm thinking, 
I wonder if that has anything to do with multiple sclerosis. And it's all along the border of Canada. There's way more Ca- cases Ca- along Canada the border. Canada has uh, 25, or I'm sorry, 18 running reactors right on the border of Detroit, right on the Great Lakes and Lake Superior is, is all contaminated. And so you would see all, all kinds of other things show up. Right away, like there's six times more breast cancer within 15 miles of a nuclear power plant. And, but the study should be done all the way up to at least 50. Hmm. And like I, when it comes to, um, it's, it's everything is hid away. And that's the whole thing. The whole history, if you go look at it, they always tell you it's like a banana and a potato chip or walking in the sunshine or getting on an airplane. And But the studies show that all the animals died. And so every time somebody says something to me about, well, Dana, you know, if it's this bad, if it's this bad, how come this and how come that? And then the question should be originally is, wait a second, you tell me why they always taste like a banana and a potato chip and walking in the sunshine when a terrorist laws or because it's not. Right, we have uh, the incredible sarcophagus designs because it's got nothing to do with bananas. Every time we have an accident, we got to evacuate the area permanently, and so there's all these connotations. There was over three million children with permanent disabilities from Chernobyl. And Chernobyl was a paper towel compared to the inventories at Japan, and but the people that argue don't provide the documentation of their argument. They just come out and it's conjectures. Like, I provide the documentation in all of my videos. And, I mean, I'm not the most eloquent person on the planet. I don't even want the job, but I don't <laughs> see anybody doing the job. And, um, you know, I'm attacked by all the intelligence agencies. I have all the industries coming after me. I have the mining companies coming after me. The stock exchange coming after you. You have all these thugs on Wall Street coming after you because the price has gone down nonstop and I won't go away. And I'm kind of basically single-handedly keeping this front and center every day with these one-hour presentations that I'm attempting to do to try to have a conversation. But I'm tortured nonstop. I'm vilified and victimized and attacked. I have six gag orders against me. I have every reason in the book to walk away. But I have every reason in the book that I can't walk away. Because it's, I went out and done the whole coastline, 15,000 miles of the coastline, 260 days, documented it. And for the people that don't know any better, it probably doesn't mean much to them. For people who don't understand what species counts were all about or what the previous counts were like or were never involved in any of these industries, it might not mean much to them. I can't help that. It's not my fault that they didn't, they don't have the ability to look up that information, understand the very basis of the ecosystem. It's kind of a, like to me, it's natural, but to a lot of people, it seems foreign. I can understand that. I can appreciate it. But yeah. to an academic, uh, if someone was to, I'm just going to end that, say if the New York Times was to try to flush me out, they get a marine biologist to look at my site and look up what it, look, what it should look like there, yeah. and then they get it. You know, you don't, like anybody with any kind of authority or is authentic, they would approach it. And say, okay, well, he's got a really strong point there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you've experienced this change on the West Coast yourself, right? So you used to, you've had a lot of time um, beachcombing, in a sense. and uh, 14,000 hours underwater alone. 14,000 so, hours underwater? That's right, yeah. Wow. I was a commercial crazy. diver, yeah. And so I, and I ran, you know, commercial dive operations in both oceans, both the Pacific and the Atlantic, but mostly uh, Pacific. And it was such a beautiful, incredible diversity, and it was such a pleasure. And anybody that explored this coastline, there's many, many, many books out there 
available pre-Fukushima for people to really go look at. And they'll talk, all of them talk about the incredible diversity I listed mm-hmm. earlier. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. And you know, and you see, and you've seen a change for sure. It's 19 straight months. And then you went, and then, <laughs> and then you went yeah, 200, else, and then you went 260 days along the coastline fairly recently to to study the stuff a little bit deeper. No, I've been out 25 times this year um, on my boat, but I went um, 2014, 2015, and done the whole coastline of Canada repeatedly over 260 days. Wow. And that was roughly 15,000 miles. We documented it with 1,000, 2,000 pictures of the coastline each day with GPSs and posted it up at my site. Did try to have a conversation and we have, right? We, you know, we've had a lot of conversations. I've probably done 300 radio interviews or wow, something. Wow. Uh, but the point being is that um, we still, people don't seem to be aware, and you can't eat the stuff out of the Pacific Ocean anymore. What's left out is highly bioaccumulated uh, material, and it's just now deadly, it's toxic to the human species and everybody else in itself. We're looking at the death of the Pacific uh, imminently at any time at all. And we're, we're looking at uh, just this mass awakening right behind that at that stage. There's no way to stop this. And they're going to try to control it. They've been hard at it for six years. And the truth has to come out. We have to fight for the future. Hmm. This, is, this is no longer – like people don't realize the world has changed. And within the next year or two, everybody – because they're putting this off. We're not getting the opportunity – then we're setting ourselves up for the big fall. We're setting ourselves up for the big hit. We're gonna. We're all gonna pay the price because we won't have a debate. We're all gonna suffer the worse. Everybody's gonna lose everything because we won't have a debate. Yeah. And yeah. and the people that are extremely wealthy and informed are long gone out of the way. But all the minions that are enabling this, they're gonna suffer the most. All the people who said it's like a banana and a potato chip for walking in the sunshine won't have anywhere to hide. Their, their families will turn on them. These are predictions that you would expect uh, to happen as the story comes out. It's called rage, and uh, I've seen it in other cultures where rage takes over, and I'm seeing it already over the last couple of years, and we're seeing why the cover-up is so intense and why they're so vicious and violent because they have the worst people in charge. The people in charge are just thugs, and uh, you can't cover it up. You can't cover up the death of the Pacific because three billion people depend upon it. Yeah, and we can't even debate anything anymore. Anyways, everything gets so polarized, right? Now it's you know extremes, you know anti nuke for pro nuke, and I mean you can't you can't even have these proper debates anymore. Well, a pro nuke is based upon uh, predicated lies: bananas, potato chips, walking sunshine, getting on an airplane, sleeping next to somebody, and that it's everywhere is good for you. Right, and so the the people that got the education and that are saying that that's an absolutely it's an unforgivable betrayal. It's the biggest breach of academics I've seen yet. Anyway, huh. what? Uh, so if we did decide to have that debate today, what would be? What 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 can we do? Like I've heard stories that those things have like melted down a couple of miles into the ground at this point. Yeah. Well, the containment uh, will breach at around 1,600 degrees, 1,700 degrees or so. And then it's long gone. These things will hit 9,000. Now, what you know, um, we got to do some pretty weird stuff coming up here once we have a – if we had a real conversation, we got to come up with technology to deal with that. So we got to treat it just like a meteorite coming at the planet. And so that – 
you know, if we had a meteorite coming on our planet, we have no no problem getting on with it, right? Dealing yeah. with it, the whole planet coming together and coming up with technology to survive it or move underground and whatever. Yeah, yeah. So we need to approach it the exact same way for water, for food. We got to get rid of the GMO, switch off the war machine, yeah, and put put all that energy and that expertise into doing uh, getting controlling all the nuclear on the planet and and putting it in creating sarcophagus and it's only at that stage where we can restart to reverse anything because as long as that stuff is out there it's hemorrhaging into our environment and a nuclear power plant uh, just the pools are hemorrhaging 120,000 liters of incredible this is an incredible amount of dirty bombs all day long uh, the Iraq war if you look at it that way for instance, Iraqi war, uh, I would look at it this way, where they had four bomb manufacturers in the United States making dirty bombs or depleted uranium munitions. And um, uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, was making, there's like 1,800 people there. Mm -hmm. And uh, McAllister, that's all they do is make dirty bombs all day. The A-10 Warthog, that's all it shoots is dirty bombs all day. And so, like, you know, we have all these other facets, including medical. We're treating people allegedly that 97% of them died before they would have without it. We're, we're treating them with nuclear waste that should be in a sarcophagus for endless times. We're giving that to the victims of cancer, and that'll kill them 90% uh, of them quicker than they would have without it. And so, like, it's just uh, every animal died in every study, millions of studies. We use this stuff, and we have polluted the whole environment, and we have to change that side of it before we can hope for any kind of a future. Yeah. So that's a daunting, unbelievably daunting, because you've got China and India and Pakistan and Russia, and we've got all these dumps and estuaries and rivers and, and communities and underground abandoned places that's got to be cleaned up. We got all these dumps out into the ocean. We dumped nuclear waste out because we didn't know what to do. We couldn't leave it in the community, so they snuck it out contractors and dumped it we've had you know used it in weapons and wars we can't get the stuff uh, out of the environment itself per se but we've got to get rid of gmo we got to uh, plant organic seeds everywhere we got to start breeding insects and re redistributing it back into the environment we got to come up with solutions to get the glaciers back on top of those mountains and like, there's all these incredible things that we can do as a species. If we were to go to work at it, if we were, look, where we want to go to other planets and terraform them <laughs> for <laughs> us, right? Why we destroy our planet to force us off our own planet. I think it's more like there's nobody in charge and they went too far. Yeah. I, I don't know. Right? It's out of control. Yeah, it's out of control. It's not. It's almost. It's almost past an intentional conspiracy. It's just like in industry and and institutions running wild. They can't stop. But it's like a, they built it originally right on a spot where it had to go bang at some point, and they knew what the repercussions were when you put all the fuel pools on the top of the buildings. And right, so they were looking for it to happen. Well, I was going to mention that. Do you pay any attention to the conspiracies about the earthquake? You know, being caused yeah, yeah, yeah. caused by do, Jim Stone. Do you have any thoughts on that at all? Jim Stone. Yeah, no, I done video about it. I debunked it. Well, you know, like you got to go down all these stories because you don't know that could yeah. be true. Yeah. You got to go check it out. You got to see if it's real. Well, so, 174 miles of continental shelf 
allegedly was taken down with a nuclear weapon. That's ridiculous. Oh, that's, that's, what they, that's what they say it is? That's how it starts. Well, they don't tell you that part of it, but they say the, the continental shelf, it wasn't that. They tell you there was a detonation offshore, created a tsunami, and then the tsunami come in. Now, the tsunami, that part of it is really interesting. Well, first he said the earthquake didn't exist, and he quotes the great earthquake in the 1990s, which was on land, which was shallow, right? If you look, listen to his uh, his video, it's ludicrous. Now, he made up this story, he tells you right there that, it, that you know, he's sure this is happening because a nuclear plant can't blow up. So it's all about right protecting the nuclear industry. There's South Korea connotations there because the military base for the Americans has been there for, what, 50 years or something. Mm -hmm. And nuclear is, like you can see it right now in the media, how important that nuclear aspect of it is to these people. The whole industry is like, oh, we're going to have a nuclear war, yay. But, okay, so Jim Stone has this incredible story where they, they put a nuclear weapon at the power plant. Right now, I got 5,000 pictures of that power plant of those reactors, and there's no way there was a nuclear weapon used anywhere there. I would, I would see that evidence. <laughs> there's no way to miss it, you know. It would knock down everything for a square mile. So it wouldn't be just blow a top off a building. That's ludicrous to even suggest. But this is what he had suggested, and that they, they were watching it from a satellite. They had a radio receiver, and just as the tsunami was about to hit it, they blew her. And... Like, what? Okay, so I got to go out and disprove everything he said. So I did. Mm. It's totally ludicrous story. And it's just disrespectful that anybody would even consider that was real or realistic. And that, right, you don't, like, people that in real life that may say, Danny, you should go watch that. You're like, don't come over to my house anymore, man. <laughs> well, what about what about, what about somebody causing the earthquake itself? Like, not, not hoaxing um, a different... Miles. 170 miles of that one. Look, I don't doubt that if you put your mind to it and you had all the equipment and everything at your disposal, you can you can make an earthquake. Why couldn't you? Yeah. Like they've they done that with nuclear weapons where they, they took out big caverns. Absolutely, that could be done. Yeah, yeah. But that's not what we're talking about. It was felt in uh, Florida 30 minutes later. We're talking about an earthquake that that 400 kilometers area was just hit with a tsunami for up to two kilometers in or 10 kilometers in how are you going to see damage from an earthquake when you got a tsunami just ran through that country like if you go look at those videos of the tsunami coming through that country you're not looking for evidence of an earthquake anymore because there's just too much carnage everywhere to, to try to pick it out but there uh, there's no reason to uh, deny that that happened. We have documentations of the building swaying in Tokyo, which is what you would expect. We have documentation of damage throughout the places. And that when you go and look at the evidence that he talks about, Iwadi and other places, uh, I made a video and debunked it all. It was that simple that you had no choice but to do it. There was no truth to it. And, and I don't like people like that that are making it hard to have a conversation, making it impossible to have a conversation. Because literally everywhere you go, people want to know about this stupid one-off video that showed up on the internet and somehow or another has some kind of validity when it's ludicrous if you actually look at it. Well, it could be it's controlled it, disinformation as well. I mean, I swear to God, is, every, every type oh, of 100%. controversy that comes up, that, you know, whoever's trying to... Uh, 
you know, control the narrative, throws out all this extreme disinformation, and then it just throws oh, everybody off the trail. I, like, I, I, I'm doing a guy today listening to him, and he's talking about how people were in spraying core exit on the reactor core when it was melting down to put it out. This is the same core exit for a BP oil spill to have those connotations later in the conversation that that's what killed all the species on the coastline, not Fukushima. And so, like, I was chopping that out of the video today, and I'm laughing so hard because it's so ludicrous that you, if you went, if you were close enough to look in at, at the core, it would melt your organs in a matter of a few seconds. You would die right there, petrified or liquefied, literally. Oh, I see what you're saying. You can't just go like, in there and start spraying shit around. Yeah. You can't, you can't. If you can see it, you're dead instantly. With your 900 feet of it, and you're looking at it, you're going to die. It's it's uh, X-rays, neutrons, and gamma shine, and these bursts of energy that are just like we've seen it after Hiroshima bomb effects, where the women would squat down and uh, excrete their uteruses and roll over and die over the next ten minutes or something in agony because their organs had melted because they were close enough for that gamma shine to hit them. Right? Jesus. And, the the studies on the Hiroshima people were on the exterior, not the interior. And so the betrayal, I can go on for hours. And once again, you know, I have 60,000 studies on radiation. I covered 13,500 headlines and cherry-picked that to the point now. You know, I'm so good at all of these facets and, and uh, feet on the ground out doing the whole coastline, documenting the species, the birds, the insects. And it's a labor of love, I'm sure, where I don't stop. I'm the real deal. I'm interested in facts. I'm looking at every conspiracy theory out there and having been forced to sit there for hours and hours and hours and research everything to make sure. Because it if it's true, it's true. If it's not, it's not. And if it's not and it's being used as a weapon, then I have to deal with it. And so I have to be able to talk it out and explain it and walk people through it and persuade people that to move on. So a lot of his stuff is predicated upon the earthquake didn't happen. And then that if it did, how come I didn't see all the damage we did from the 1990s? Well, that one was right on land, right under land and like very shallow, right under a very populated area. Yeah. And so no matter where you're to on the planet, if you have an earthquake right under your butt, yeah, you're in deep trouble, man. You're going to get that shaken out of your life. The shallower it is, the more lateral movements. Huh. This one was offshore 36 miles out. This was 18 miles deep. And bubble, right? so, so, so what uh, – you, I can't remember if we were recording when we were chatting about about what to do, like some improvements we can make in our lives to uh, to help, you know, counteract – this type of stuff, like eating, obviously, you know, eating better. Is there, is there other things that you would suggest people do to, because uh, sure. I mean, like the like West Coast, got... I mean, there's tons of people on the West Coast. Like, does it even make, does it make it past the Rockies? Like, are we in, in, right. uh, in danger here in Alberta, that kind of thing? Like, or is it already just, is right. it already too late? Oh yeah, we're all in, we're all in this same boat, but, um, you know, it makes it past the Rockies no problem. It loses a lot of its payloads when it hits the, the clouds hitting the Rocky Mountains, but it's coming into the jet streams to the upper and lower troposphere, too. And so there was huge numbers hit the Rocky Mountains. That's why you had all those forest fires out there, because you're not seeing the decay because the biota was killed off for the most part. Uh. And you've seen that in, in Chernobyl, too. And then for taking care of yourself, 
Well, like if you've got a filtration system, say for your water, people say, well, then you can't get all the radiation out. What's the sense? Well, it's getting some out. And that's really good. It doesn't matter. It's not going to get it all. It's going to get some out. And it's the same thing with an air purifier in your home. It's not going to get it all out, but it's going to get some out. That's huge. That's huge. And But you got to change your filters regularly too. And um, if you eat healthy, so if you eat GMO, then you're talking about glossophates and formaldehydes and toxins and deoxins. And, you know, I can, I can cite studies where corn – for GMO corn, you'd have to eat 428 GMO corn to get the same amount of calcium, magnesium, iron, carbon, and cobalt as you would from a single organic corn on the cob. Hmm. So 428 GMO to get the same nutrition as you would at a single or organic one. And so it's best to grow your own food, get your greenhouses. And, you, and if you're in a cold climate like Alberta, you can dig down 10 feet and right and make like kind of a um, you can support that no problem void and then you can grow vegetables there all year long because you're way below the frost line and the sun will shine all the way down there no problem and all the protons will make it down and you can supplement it what about what about but, iodine or something like that or iodine supplements or well it's too late uh iodine it's okay to have some iodine supplement absolutely but we you know, you, you'll uh, cesium goes into your th- now. Iodine is for your thyroid, but cesium will also go and aggregate in your thyroid. Your thyroid's a gland. Your gland is not like an organ where you can maybe get a transplant or you can get some kind of repair to it. But uh, um, the, the, the the gland is a very vulnerable one. Anyways, what I'm trying to articulate. And so yes, you know, one thing in your diet. Generally, if you eat healthy, you'll get natural iodine anyway. And so iodine is something you would take uh, 24 hours for an accident was going to happen that you knew it was going to happen. The plume was going to show up yeah. and, you, and you would load up your, your thyroid gland. And once your thyroid gland is exposed, the damage is there for life and it might not show up for decades. Um, and But now your thyroid regulates a lot of the, like your body temperature and your fat and a whole lot of things about your body. Your thyroid is actually regulating a whole bunch of functions in your body. Now, like just you have to eat good. And then uh, the most important thing, though, and this is water. And there's such a thing as what's called structured water. And this yes, is water. Yes, yes, yes. Like iceberg water, say, would be considered structured water. It's not touched by man deep inside the iceberg with this water is 100,000 years old. So it didn't have any chemicals added, didn't go through electrical pumps and, and stuff like this. Uh, but you can buy machines that will uh, structure, create water back to its proper structure. Scientists don't know why it does this, but they do know how to do it. And that water, of course, you know, is the only thing out there that exists in all three forms, ice and solid and gases as, as a liquid. And so anyway, structured water, by just praying the water, scientists discovered they were able to tell them, saying the water, you know, thinking water was enough to cause the molecules of water to change. Yeah. But you can actually buy a machine to do it too. But you can also just say thank you water. Yeah. And so how weird is that one? And now structured water, the plants grew 30% quicker, 30% faster, for instance. And structured water, your blood would on plate. So cancer victims, their biggest uh, problem is plated blood. 
and structured water would unplate your blood. And so there's all these different studies on water. BOA was a Russian study translated. There's a bunch of studies on structured water. There's a bunch of disinfo on all of these subjects. Yeah, Incredible. Of course, yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. Hideous amount of disinformation. I wanted to and, really get into structured water, actually. Like, you know, in, in an episode, in another episode, we've been thinking about uh, talking about it, like the fourth phase. I mean, I haven't even looked into it enough, but I've got uh, a bit of a water filter, but I, I need to buy something better. And then I've, I've also heard you can restructure your water as well, even by just pouring them over crystals or like uh, salt, like Himalayan salt uh, rocks and leave it in the sun with some glass. Like, have you heard of any of that type of stuff? No. Um, <laughs> I heard talking to the water, thinking the water. And well, we then post sh- affirmations on our water jokes. You, you post, yeah, you do that? Yeah. You put affirmations. Like you type, you write it out and then tape it on? Probably, but yeah. Yeah. I even I'm not saying on, that's not true. I have to look into it. I have them on, my gar- on the water I use for watering my garden and my yeah. Yeah. drinking water. Yeah, I've been meaning to do that on mine and I haven't, I haven't done it yet. If there's, like, I would take just about any suggestion when it comes to water and try it, and if it works, it works. What's and the machine can, What's the machine you talked about, about getting... I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I always think my water, and I just, um, I'll tell you another interesting one about water, uh, um, was there was an experiment, a kids won a contest where they took a scallop shell, and they put it in the oven and got rid of any parasites in it. And then uh, they put it in muddy water from a mud puddle on the side of the road. They took mm-hmm. a liter and dropped a piece in there. And the next, within 24 hours, it was clear, beautiful-looking water. They took the three different samples of water. Another one where they took battery acid mm-hmm. and they put um, they put the scallop shells in that. And what that done was... Uh, it turned the water to the acidity of a lemon, or the battery acid to the acidity of lemon. This was on Discovery Channel years ago. And another uh, experiment they had done, I can't even remember now. But anyway, it was three very unique experiments. Uh, another thing, like, uh, I, I'm just going to throw out there, was seeds, like for your plants. If you put them alongside your radar, router, they, your wireless router, they might not um, germinate. And that was another different experiment. So there's there's other things going on out there in your homes that might affect your experiments. Yeah, totally. It was, it was just a, I want to throw it out one or two for people. But you do want to grow your own food. It's very simple. You can be surprised. Like grow herbs like um, turmeric. I, I always call it turmeric because I'm from the East Coast uh, originally. <laughs> and it was just one of those words like chummy was show me. So if I want you to show me something, I wouldn't say show me. I would say show I that chummy and show me that thing more or less, right? So show I, that's how you would say it, chummy. And yeah. that meant that chummy, that machine, that chum, what thing or whatever you got in your hands at the time. And But you still can't break some of those habits. You can't. Like you don't understand it's there until it's out there and you're like, oh my goodness, did I just say that? Yeah, you've been out here for like 25 years or something, right? you still got yeah, that heavy accent. Get, <laughs> yeah, you can't get rid of it. You can't shake it. It's a horrible you, on the DHF radio. <laughs> if I ever have emergency Coast Guard, it's going to be like, what? Are you from, what are you trying to say, buddy? Are you from Newfoundland then? or? I was originally from Newfoundland. Yeah, I used to translate for my buddy. I, I used to play hockey with a Newfie, Newfie friend, and he was really thick. Like, he was from Bonavista Bay or something, and Some people are no, nobody could understand him, and I'd have to tra- translate for him. Yeah, you must, you're pretty good in that case. I can speak Newfie pretty good, too. Yeah. Drink a bottle first. I got a bunch of buddies from CBS, Conception Bay. 
pretty sick. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, no no one's gonna hold it against you, man. <laughs> I, I'm actually honorary. I, I did the whole. Uh, I just joked. I'm yeah, sorry. I got screeched uh, in. You got screeched in. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, no, Newfoundlanders are notoriously for making funny fun of themselves <laughs> and other people, but making fun <laughs> of themselves, they're extremely, like, I'm ridiculous once I start out, Kent, and I'm not going to humiliate myself tonight for anybody, but I can and have and would normally, so, <laughs> on the drop of a hat, if it makes someone smile, I'd probably do it just for that part, uh, but uh, I don't have much humor sometimes, but you never know it, I do have, seem to have a... I have uh, this raw sense of humor, and it comes out of my shows. <laughs> it's pretty raw, and so I try to hide that away from everybody because that don't help shit. But uh, yeah, you can get a little cynical, probably. Yeah, yeah. Newfies have uh, oh, good yeah, hearts. I, I, would love, I would love to sit around with a bunch of nuclear scientists and just <laughs> like you can just go at each other. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna get, get your way in they there one sleep, day. They would sleep for months after I was finished with them. Oh yeah. Oh, because like what they got done and what they've done for 70 years, they've lied about every facet of it to everybody. They got an education, right? And you know better. And so you're going to put your fate into them, allegedly. And then they betray you. And then your universities and institutions and your governments and your media all use the exact same tactics for 70 years upon the whole population. And then you have major accidents with real effects, like the death of the Pacific Ocean. Man. That's you. Oh, you can't top that one for a long time, I bet you. Because, buddy, when that one comes out, whoa. No, they're just blaming it on us and, and global warming and us little carbon polluters, you know. They're, yeah. Now we got to pay. A, now we got to pay a freaking carbon tax here, and uh, you know because of this global warming hoax, and and then there's all this other stuff going on in the West Coast. So I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah, if you didn't have the die-offs going on everywhere, they'd be okay. But unfortunately. <laughs> There's, that's going to blow up in their face real soon and they know it, they're feeling it now they understand it, they see it, they've done the studies themselves I ga- I aggregated it and they, they know the jig's up the whole planet, we're all in big trouble and we're all we're all going to lose uh, everything we covered if we don't find a way forward so is that, is that what you're doing now like what's your next couple of steps here like what's, what's your uh, short term <laughs> short term future and your goals here keep keep this up or stay alive for another year at least anyway because they're definitely out to kill me at this stage and it, like I say six gag orders they demonized and vilified me so much usually that's when they kill you after that one. Oh, he was depressed we had to kill him <laughs> He suicided. He shot himself in the back of the head with no, two you, different guns. You got to stay away from small planes, hot tubs, and bench presses. Oh, yeah. You got to stay away from everything, man. <laughs> and do you got any idea what I'm actually like in real life? What a character I, I actually truly am. Oh, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, the stuff I'm into. Yeah, they're going to get me. No problem to get me. I don't know. And it's going to happen at some point. No, but, but, anyway, that, but, that, ideas, but that could be, that's also a testament to maybe what you're up, uh, what you're, um, you know what you're uncovering here, right? Because you're, uh, they're pretty oh, serious sure. about uh, gagging. Yeah, six gag orders is not, is not a joke, man. If I smurf up, they come and get you. They always come in the dark and knock on my door and say, it's the police. <laughs> 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 so what? You already got flowers or something? Go ahead. He's not here. No, you got to go gut up and deal with it. You got to face it and you got to take the, the beating and burn your bank account and that's what happens each time you burn your bank account. So you got nothing left and you got to get out and put it together and make it happen. 
And so over and over and over, this is the tactic used on me where they just burned me to death. I'm literally, they've broken me every step of the way. They burnt all my resources. They bankrupted me repeatedly. They destroyed me in the community. They've done everything humanly possible outside of just come and kill me, which I've begged them to do a few times now. Just come and get it over with, man. I don't care. Let's get it on. Let's get it on. Because obviously that's the only way anybody's going to listen is when you guys finally kill me. Oh, Jesus, too bad to kill him. You're such a good guy. Go listen to that stuff. I can see it now when I'm gone. Yeah, right. you'd be a martyr. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you got a great, just great. Just what I never, ever wanted to be. You got a lot of support from the other side as well, though, too? I got the, like, I don't know what I got. Who knows? All I know is uh, I produce these little shows five days a week, uh, tell the story the best yeah. I can, yeah. and educate the ones that are trying. And educate and console the ones that need consoling the best they can. But the best way to console people is to tell them the truth. And because I think everybody's mature enough and responsible enough to deal with the truth. Even though they might not seem it, if you give them the truth, you give it to them in an environment where it's all there with a few light moments. Yeah. Uh, you can, it's not such a, it's like a horrible story, right? How do you tell the story? And I can't find anybody to console me out there that can tell a story and I've got an incredible collection inconceivable but I, I have this wish that like until I see hope I can't stop until I yeah. see a way forward I, I can't give it up or back down and I'm under a siege uh, like it's a feeding frenzy on me all the time out there you know anybody who's trying to work out who I am then they're going to hate my guts before they find out who I actually truly am and yeah. come across my real sites and and understand that I'm actually just I'm I'm um, I'm a good people I'm solid. If somebody was attacking you, I was coming down the road. I would run those over <laughs> with my vehicle. At least do that much for you. I'm not going to leave you there to be beaten to dead on the side of the road. Let's put it that way. And there's a few shortcuts I could take, and I would. <laughs> so so if people want to check out your work, they can go to your uh, your website, Nuclear Proctologist. Right, and if you can't get there, go to Beautiful Girl Boy Dana on right, YouTube, right. Yeah, yeah. and you can watch my one-hour shows five days a week. You can see today's show or yesterday's show. The day before yesterday, no, the day before I got taken down, I got attacked. As like I've been attacked so much the last three or four days, it's really something. On YouTube, specifically on YouTube, or I'm, specifically on YouTube, and yeah, I'm attacked everywhere. But specifically on YouTube, my site have been attacked. Yeah, everywhere. those ads. Well, now the, the fuck they're clamping down, right? All the corporations are pulling their ads, and now they're. I, uh, I don't they're do calling ads. all this stuff. Well, that's that's yeah, strange. I don't do ads. No, I don't do ads. I'm not being attacked with thumb or thumbs down bots. People. Yeah. Like you get 170 thumbs down in uh, 30 minutes, <laughs> on, on a video, you know you're in trouble, right? Yeah. You know you're being yeah. targeted. Yeah. And so that's what I mean. I'm being pounded by stuff like that. And, it's, and we know who's doing it to me, right? We got the videos of them telling their subscribers to come do me. So there are weaponized sites coming after you, being used to bludgeon you. And then you're atta I'm attacked from every single angle in every industry, and I can I document it all all the time. That's what makes me unique, I suppose. And But I just, you know, I'm not going to go away just because everybody's uh, wants to think it's like a banana and potato chip. I don't have... I don't see the option, you know? What am I supposed to do? Yeah. I got I to take those hits. That's all I see. 
Well, keep up the good fight, and uh, and you know we really appreciate you coming on the show. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll keep an eye on your work for sure. Okay, no, appreciate it. It was a good show. We went an hour and half or something, so that was spot on. Yeah, good yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah, it usually flows pretty good there. And, and yeah, man, thanks. Uh, yeah, thanks for uh, you know giving us the the lowdown on that. And, and well, uh, my apologies to the audience. Uh, it just you know it's a tough story, and you know it's hard to tell the story. And that's the way the story came out tonight. And this basic of the story, we gave you everything we could in a nice tight package. But yeah, like you say, I'm pretty burnt out from the constant attacks and the feeding frenzies. Yeah, and it just kind of wears you. And that's the point. That's still a win for them, right? Um, yeah. At some well, point, like you know, if people want more from more than this interview. There's a lot of YouTube videos. I was watching some of them myself there, and, and there's a lot of your content there, so they can go and, and find more out about you. Yeah, that's a good way to do it for sure. Okay, yeah. appreciate it, guys. You hey. guys have a nice night. Thank you. Yeah, Thank thanks, you. man. Thanks, Enjoy man. the Sunshine Coast, sir. I will. So. Okay, bye. <laughs> yeah. Take. Okay. Bye, bye. That was a chat with Dana Dunford. 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 You're all gonna die. Sorry, guys. Yeah, yeah. His he's got some pretty crazy uh, YouTube videos about the when he was going on the coast, like up the coast there, and looking for the light, like coast life, and it's like pretty much gone. You're like, holy shit! Like it seems like there has been a bit of a destruction, and there's really like media silence over the whole thing, right? Could be trouble. Yeah. <clears throat> what do you think? It's tough to say. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? Well, you know, putting those things on the coast was never really a great idea. I like the analogy of the forest fire and the smoke and really like the meltdown and then just the invisible shit flying, <laughs> flying all over the place. Yeah. Can't be healthy. I do question uh, can't people like, you know, Rod Adams who come on and say that the, uh, that the, you know, it's no worse than the background allowance. Back on radiation allowance. I don't know. That just seems hard to believe. Think he's getting paid? I don't know about that. It's just maybe it's just that that's what he thinks. You know. I mean, he's pretty. He's pretty connected in there, though. So he, you think he would have the truth too, right? It's yeah. so. It's another one of these things we just don't know what to what to think, right? Well, I'm interested to know what the listeners think. Yeah. So let us know what you think. Let Graham know what you think, and he'll let me know. If he was bullshitting, you know, you'd think he wouldn't be attacked so much. That's right. Gag orders. And, and he's shit. been arrested, too, I think, right? From something, well, about he, something about University of Victoria. Like. He got arrested because he, like, I think he, like, called for the deaths of one of the scientists. Oh. In a video. Yeah, that's not a good thing. Yeah. Huh. That's trouble. Yeah. But, I mean, could just be passion. He could have been joking. <laughs> I'm just kidding, man. <laughs> Anyway, uh, hey, how many people are calling for the death of Trump? Thousands. Are they getting arrested? That's right. That's, That's just going to be, a, you're going to be allowed to do that soon enough. Yeah, it's it's going to be uh, encouraged. Mm-hmm. Anyway, big thanks to Dana for coming on the show. Check out his stuff, guys. And uh, let us know what you think about this one. Yeah. It's a tough one. Yeah. It sucks when you can't do anything about it. See what happens. Well, you can grow your own food and you can take care of yourself. Yeah. That's about all we got left. Yeah. Which I do. 
I like the, you know, I was thinking you could just, you could really just dig a huge hole in your backyard and cover it with a fucking glass dome or something. Well, that Richard, uh, who was on our show there, he, 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 those, he sells those geodesic domes, right? Where you go underground and you have that dome. Just make a few of those. Throw your food down there. Yeah. Grow some broccoli sprouts. Apparently those are so healthy for you. You'd live off just broccoli sprouts? And you can't even buy them. Like, nobody's, none of the stores got them. I haven't even found them in Calgary. Just micro? Don't just grow them. You could grow that shit in your window. Oh, this yeah, is just, just baby broccoli. I just don't want to take that step towards growing shit. I can't grow plants very, I can't keep plants very well. It's, it's not, not work. It doesn't work for me. Okay. You grow them and I'll come here and. You ain't touching I'll, my shit. I'll give you, I'll buy them, the seeds for you, and you grow oh, them. I'll buy the seeds yeah. and I just do everything else. <laughs> Thanks, bud. <laughs> yeah, could you just give me the three dollars? <laughs> I'll help you pick the weeds every once all in a while too. All of my greens are growing under grow lights. Spinach, lettuce. Are you building a greenhouse or something? You're talking about? I'm building a greenhouse Easter weekend, maybe. Oh no, you can't. Just, you're going to load too many things up that weekend. This is what you do. Right? <laughs> you got. You're going to podcast all weekend and do that. The new venture there, but then you're also going to try and build a greenhouse. And then you're going to have everybody here podcasting, helping you move shit around for the greenhouse. The greenhouse I'm going to be yeah. moving fridges out of your basement, and I'm going to be almost go. fucking killing myself here. <laughs> it's good for you. I'm going to get plenty of you tomatoes. trick people into manual labor. <laughs> you are the manual labor trickster. <laughs> plenty of tomatoes. Are you coming over tonight? I got to move something. <laughs> move a piano, move a fridge. Like, you're always moving something big. You didn't have to help with the piano, did you? But, well, I did to get it down, and then I I missed the getting it back out of the house. Is that the dump now? <laughs> Two years later, it's got, well, we got to move it out now, guys. <laughs> Change of Come plans. Come on down. <laughs> All right, guys, big thanks to Dana. Support the show if you can. Check out gramerica.ca slash support, and maybe one day we'll be able to hire movers. Yeah. Anytime soon. Not this right. Big thanks to those of you who do support the show. Um, what I was going to say though, instead of building a greenhouse, why don't you build a? Why don't you do the geodesic dome? That's a big fucking hole to dig. No, they're only uh, like eight or ten feet or whatever. I would help you dig a hole. That's... Have you ever dug a hole, man? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the worst thing ever. I've dug fucking holes. Just digging up the dirt enough to fucking put in a garden is fucking a lot of work. Yeah. Like, and you're going to go down 10 feet? <laughs> okay. <laughs> you renting equipment, for sure. You rent a little mini backhoe and drive it down. And really? That's what I would do. It's like $100 for a day. Or you can dig Seems like for cheating. fucking three weeks. <laughs> I'll race you. Anyway, check out gramerica.ca slash support. Sign up for a monthly if you can. Uh, do a one-time donation if you can. Send in your synchros, your trip reports, all that jazz to uh, com. Get some swag over at gramerica.ca slash swag. Review the show. Tell your friends about this motherfucker. Seriously, man. <laughs> and uh, there's something else, too. Isn't there? Sign up for the newsletter, gramerica.ca slash news. I think that's it. Oh, there's a the chat. There's the no. Twitter, Instagram. Jump all the other ways to chat. yeah, all the ways to contact us. You can leave notes. a voicemail. All the links are there in the show notes. We've only got like one voice. Do a review. Like Do a review on uh, iTunes. That would be fun. Ideally positive. Yeah, a positive review would be good. Yeah. 
All right, guys. Negative stuff, just keep to yourself. I'll post it on YouTube. (laughs) All right, guys. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week.
subscribe to the crowd.